Whereas with LinkedIn, you can get so much more precise with that targeting. So you're getting only the very best types of leads. Hello, and welcome to the brand new You Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you build a credible brand. I'm your host, Ryan Roten, and today's guest is AJ Wilcox, founder of B2Linked. B2Linked is a LinkedIn advertising agency that specializes in account management as well as training and consulting for LinkedIn ads. AJ and his team manage over 300 LinkedIn ad accounts and have spent over $110 million on LinkedIn ads, which includes ads for four of LinkedIn's top 10 accounts. So if you're running LinkedIn ads now, or you may want to in the future, stay tuned because today we're talking to the LinkedIn ads expert. AJ, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the brand new You Show. No way, Ryan. It is my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for the invite. <laughs> I have wanted to talk to you for a long time. I joined Melody Dodaro's LinkedIn course back in, I don't know, several months ago. And so I got to thank her for introducing you to me, even though she actually didn't introduce us. <laughs> <laughs> but you did a webinar for her about LinkedIn ads, and I just knew I had to talk to you. So I appreciate your time and being a guest on the, on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much. And I'll definitely let Melanie know next time I talk to her. Please do. And before we get stuck up into LinkedIn ads, which I'm super excited to talk about today, because it's something that I have started to um, not only dabble in for me, but with a couple of my clients as well. Uh, I do have one question that I like to ask all of my guests, which is, if you could vacation in only one place for the rest of your vacation days, where would you go? Oh, this one's hard because I really like variety. Uh, but on this one, I've got to say Park City, Utah. Okay. I live here in Utah and Park City is like you know 45 minutes away. Um, but it's it's uh, perfect because in the winter, it's a skiing haven and I like to ski. In the summer, it's a little bit cooler than Salt Lake Valley. Uh, there's off-roading around, there's hiking, there's biking, uh, basically all the active stuff I like to do. And that's my kind of vacation. Now you've been in digital marketing for a long time. Is that is that the career path that you've always been on? No, I knew I liked marketing and advertising, but at first when I very first graduated from school, I didn't know what that meant. Like if you said what is marketing, I'd go it's kind of like advertising, but I didn't know what it meant. And it wasn't until like uh, my junior year of of um, of the university where I, I show up. And one of my classes had a digital marketing guy who was talking about SEO uh, as a guest lecturer. Mm. And as he was talking, I went, this is what I want. This is marketing plus technology that I love. And this is what I want to do. So I kind of stumbled into digital. Okay. And you got started with SEO out of school, right? And you did that for several years. And then you hit a, we'll say, career stumbling block at one point. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So uh, the story is I'd been running LinkedIn's largest spending uh, customer worldwide for, for ads for like two and a half years. And I ended up getting laid off from that company. And so after getting laid off, I was like, well, I've, I have more skills in this one platform that no one cares about uh, than anyone else on the planet. Maybe I can do something with that. And my wife was like, I don't know. I'd still wish you got another job, but we, we, we did, we, we started B2 linked and uh, uh, you know, under the assumption that let's hope that it's a big enough niche to support our family. And it's, it's turned out to be, you know, that and more, thank goodness. Yeah. What was that like when you first got started? Like you, you, okay. So you get laid off. Like, I, I mean, I was too, I, I was laid off from a, a job as well. And so I know some of the feelings and thoughts and things that were going through your mind, but like, what was it that made you go, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and just try, try to start a business. Cause 
I mean, that's not a light decision to make. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, quite frankly, it was like the scariest decision of my life. Um, both me and my wife are very conservative, uh, you know, fiscally kind of people. You know, we always had lots of savings. We figured we had something like a, like an 11 month runway if we wanted to try something. Mm, okay. um, we're both also pretty religious. And so it was something that I went out and got job offers just to see, and we prayed about it. And the answers I got back, uh, were like, nope, turn them all down, uh, pursue your thing. And so uh, I, I call myself a little bit of an accidental entrepreneur. I know this isn't a religious podcast, uh, but that was quite frankly, like what made me take the jump and I wouldn't have done it otherwise. No, well, I think anybody who starts their own business at some point has to be a little bit religious because you're going to be praying for clients at some point. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Not to make light of, of the bigger of the bigger picture there, but um, I get it. I mean, I went through something very similar when I, when I was let go too. Uh, you know, it was, it's, it's a natural inclination to go, okay, I just go get a job because I need, I need, a, I need job. Right. But um, I think there's always something else that just tugs at you, whether it's, whether it's more spiritual or just something inside of you that says, just try it, just, just go try it. And I, it takes, I, I mean, I, it takes a lot of guts. So I commend you for, for doing that. What, like, so talk to me about your first few months. Like, what was that like after you got the business started and you're going, okay, I need, you know, like people who pay me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I understand digital marketing. And so I went, okay, well, I, I may not know how to sell, but at least I know how to attract demand. So I went and started doing immediately what I thought was going to be like highest priority stuff. So I went to sources like, like Odesk, the freelancer sites, mm -hmm. just looking for anyone who was looking to hire uh, just freelancers to help with something. I just wanted that hourly work, see if anyone wanted LinkedIn ads. And then I took all of my closest friends out to lunch and just said like, Hey, this is what I'm doing now. I'm hanging out my own shingle. Um, you know, keep, keep me in mind. And what was so funny is before I, I got laid off, I was telling friends the same thing. Like, Hey, I want to be consulting for LinkedIn ads, you know, keep your ear out and nothing happened. But as soon as I, I was all in, all of a sudden people started saying, Oh yeah, I'll refer people to you. So there's a little bit of a, like, you got to show people you're all in. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. And now you man your company manages 300 accounts and I I mean I'm still blown away by the number 110 million dollars plus in ad spend. That's um that's very impressive. I congratulations on the growth and that you've experienced with your company. It's pretty awesome. Well, thanks. And that is over the course of like four and a half years now, but I am super proud of where the company is and uh you know, we're not massive. There are only uh four full-time employees, but we're lean and mean, as I like to say, and certainly highly specialized. Yeah. You mean, wait, you mean you didn't get $110 million <laughs> in sales like overnight? Like that's how company, that's how big people get started, right? You just, it just happens overnight. Wouldn't that be amazing? Just one <laughs> giant customer who sticks around forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we get completely stuck into LinkedIn ads, I know that in January of this year, you actually started working for LinkedIn as an instructor and trainer. So tell me about your course and what's that been like for you? Yeah, well, it's been a, a long time goal for me to, to get a course up on lynda.com. And then here a few years ago, or maybe a couple years ago, LinkedIn bought Lynda. And so I went, ooh, how cool would that be if 
I were the one teaching the course on LinkedIn ads for a course company that's owned by LinkedIn. How cool would that be? Anyway, long story short, it, it took, you know, a year and a half of having conversations back and forth with them until it made sense. And uh, sure enough, now I'm a course author and uh, we released the basics of LinkedIn ads that's out there now. And I know you got to take that course. Yeah. I mean, congratulations. It's a, it's a really good course. I do recommend people take it. It is called Advertising on LinkedIn the name is exactly what you get <laughs> in the course. And it's very good. And actually, a lot of the questions for, um, that I want to talk to you about today within LinkedIn are coming from your course. So the very first one would be, there's a lot of folks who look at LinkedIn, they're still confused in a lot of ways about what the platform is and even you know when they should be using it. But for business owners that are out there, who do you think LinkedIn is is really geared towards uh, from an advertising standpoint? Who, sh who should be advertising on LinkedIn? Yeah, I have four different criteria for how I decide if LinkedIn ads is a good platform for you. Number one, you've got to have the budget uh, to afford you know, LinkedIn clicks. Uh, LinkedIn is a pretty expensive platform, especially when you compare with something like Facebook. Um, if you're paying six to nine dollars a click, usually what that means is you've got to spend between three to five thousand dollars before you start getting conversion um, conversion data that is statistically significant. So mm -hmm. I'm telling people like if you have um, you know three to five k that you can spend for let's say the first month, that's a good start. Um, also, if you have a large enough deal size on the back end that you can afford six to nine dollars for you know, that very first click and interaction with someone. Uh, if the thought of paying somewhere between $35 and $85 uh, for a conversion scares you, then I would say like stay away. But if you look at that and go, oh no, I'm, when I close a deal, it's worth you know, $15,000 or more to me, then mm -hmm. all of a sudden that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. the, the third piece is you've got to have good content because you can't just put a, a, an ad up that says, click here to talk to our high pressure sales rep because no one will click that. So make sure you've got something valuable to give away and then the ability to nurture that lead afterwards. You mean the click here just doesn't work anymore? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, funny enough, in other areas of the world, it still does. Like maybe they're they're not as uh, not as jaded by advertising, but certainly here in the U.S., if you just say like, "Here's what we do: click here to talk to a sales rep," no one's going to click that. So why would I want to advertise on LinkedIn versus say Facebook? Because Facebook obviously is uh, a lot less expensive. Why, why would I want to do one versus the other outside of just say audience? Or is that the reason? Yeah, I think audience is the biggest reason, honestly. Okay. Because uh, on Facebook, you can target by uh, some things like job title and interests and, and company size, those types of things. But the targeting is so fuzzy that you'll pay less per click, but the sales team will come back to you and talk about how they're talking to mom and pops and low quality leads and tire kickers. Uh, whereas with LinkedIn, you can be so specific about here's the job title, here's the department, their seniority, the, the company size, the company industry, location. And that's only probably a fifth of everything that's available targeting wise. And so you can get so much more precise with that targeting. So you're getting only the very best types of leads Plus, you're getting that at scale because, you know, on LinkedIn, you can probably reach 95% of, you know, white collar professionals. That was one of the things I think when I, when I first did a LinkedIn ad, I struggled with was, you know, that targeting piece and looking at, okay, what, what makes a good like audience size? Like, I don't even, 
I don't even know. Should I, is is a hundred million too big (laughs) and is 10,000 too small? Yeah. I really like audience sizes that are between 20,000 and 80,000. And we certainly have, have campaigns where we will target fewer. You can target all the way down to an audience size of 300. So we manage quite a few of those. And then you also have some who can go up into the hundreds of thousands, but if it's in that 20 to $80,000 or sorry, sorry, 20 to 20 to 80,000 person like member Mark, um, that's a campaign that I know is actually going to spend enough that it was, it was worth creating. And it's also really hyper-targeted. Okay, cool. I want to get into some of the technical stuff now. In order to be able to advertise on LinkedIn, you have to have a company page, correct? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Now there's different types of company pages. So like there's a a company page and then a showcase page and all that. Does Does the type of page matter or do you just need a page? You just need a page, whether it's a full-on what LinkedIn now calls organizational pages or just pages, uh, or if it's if it's a showcase page that's kind of a sub page underneath your your existing company's page. um, All of them work with ads. Okay, cool. So I get a company page, put it together, uh, and I'm sure we could we could talk about why we would even want a company page outside of advertising at some other point. But we get that set up. How do I then access the ads account? Because that's not super intuitive, I don't think. Yeah, uh, you can click through, like if you're just logged in with your profile, you can click on like the business section in the upper right and, and click on ads. But I always like to go just type in linkedin.com forward slash ads into the browser. Just go straight there. And that's been my easiest way to get there because you know if you haven't found it before, you're going to be looking around and clicking for a while. Okay. Uh, so there is, a, so this is going to be a technical question, but I want to ask it because I was confused about it the first time I saw it. There's this thing called a LinkedIn Insight Pixel. Can you can you explain what that pixel is and why I need it? Yeah. So the the Insight tag is it's a little snippet of JavaScript that it wants you to put on every page of your website, and it it accomplishes three different things. Um, but Essentially, what it is, is it's just like an analytics tag. Once you install Google Analytics, you do the same thing. If you're advertising on Facebook or Google or Twitter, they all ask you to do the same thing, which is drop in a little a little script. So once you've done that, now LinkedIn identifies every user to your website and can add them to retargeting audiences, which means you could create a campaign that says, anyone who comes to my website, now show them this ad. So that's pretty pretty powerful. The second thing you can do is uh, utilize LinkedIn's free demographics. They call audience demographics. Mm -hmm. So even if you're not advertising, you can stick this, this script on all your pages and LinkedIn will give you a report and say, the visitors of your website look like this professionally, Mm you know, 80% are CEOs and 40% are in agriculture. You know, that that kind of stuff that you can get. And um, so you get a lot of power and the, the third piece is it'll do conversion tracking for you. So once you have a conversion from your advertising, it can radio back to the platform and you can uh, calculate live what your cost per conversion looks like. That's pretty interesting because, uh, so this is going to be like off LinkedIn ad topic, but one of the things that podcasters complain about is that we don't get really great metrics. And so if you had a website that was specific for your podcast and your podcast only, you could put that LinkedIn insights tag on there and start to identify the types of people who are coming to, to pay attention to your podcast as a way to get metrics that you may not otherwise be able to get. It's kind of interesting. 
Yeah, I love it. And of course, it wouldn't be a total representative sample of uh, every listener, but surely everyone who comes to look at show notes and that and do research, yeah. um, you'd have that data on them. Very cool. That's interesting. I'm going to have to try that now. <laughs> and if you know that like 70% of the people who listen to the podcast are in marketing, then you can go and create more marketing content. Or if you know it's flipped and maybe it's 70% sales, then you go, cool, let's cater this audience. Right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's a, there you go. That's a hidden tip trick that nobody would have ever known about had I not brought it up because I thought of it right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Very few people ask me about it and I get questions about LinkedIn all the time. So yeah, you heard it here first, folks. So we have to have a company page and it doesn't matter which kind of page we get the insight pixel installed. Now, one of the, as you start to create an ad, one of the things that you have to start to look at and decide is what kind of ad do you want to use? Cause there's at least four different kinds. I think there's more than that. You tell me if I'm wrong, but I know there's text ads, sponsored content, sponsored in mail and dynamic ads. Which ones do you recommend people get started with? I think you hit the nail on the head. There are four different kinds, uh, but then there are a few flavors of sponsored content that you can kind of add on. So it may look like a few more, but yeah, you've got the four basic ad formats. Uh, If I were you, I would say, you know, 95% of you should start with just the vanilla sponsored content. This is the ad format that shows up right in your newsfeed and then go with the one that's just a static image and text because it's the easiest to troubleshoot. If there's an issue Uh, you want to, go with your core audience, the the audience who you can solve their pain point the most. You want to go with the core offer that provides the most value. And then you want an ad that is the most simple and straightforward. If you combine those three things, you end up with like a, a super easy funnel. And if there's a problem, it's really easy to diagnose which step was the problem. Yeah. So you said um, a couple things there I want to touch on. Sponsored content, they're easy to troubleshoot. What do you, when you say that, what do you mean? Uh, If I launch an ad and I have a low click-through rate, and so on sponsored content, the average click-through rate uh, platform-wide is 0.4%, so a little less than half of a percent. If I end up with with a click-through rate that's more like 0.2%, immediately I know something about that ad is not resonating with that audience. Mm. And so now I'm on the hunt to try to figure it out. Well, it, it really could only be two things. It could be the text you used or the image you used. And so you could take a guess at it and say, oh, maybe the image, uh, it's, there's too much blue. And so it kind of blends into LinkedIn. Let me try using something that's very orange or green and see if that does it. Uh, or you could say, what I'm sharing text-wise isn't interesting enough. Let me try you know, varying up and maybe giving a, a different call to action. And that's two quick tests you can figure out to, to find out what your audience is actually interested in. Interesting. So another thing about sponsored content is that's the one that shows up in your feed and it's got that image. Can you have, like, I know on Facebook, you're limited on the text that you can put in the image. Does LinkedIn limit you on text that can be in the image or does it like, does it have to just be a blank image or, or is there a rule around what that image can look like? Absolutely no rules right now. As long as your image doesn't have anything uh, profane or uh, in some way objectionable in it, they'll, they'll let it go. So it could be a hundred percent text and that would be okay. Text ads are the ones that show up on the right-hand side. If I remember right, as you're looking at on the desktop, as you're looking at your computer, do those, what's the value in the text ad? Is that, that's kind of like the Facebook ads that they put on the side, right? Yeah. Text ads, 
kind of catch a bad rap, but I really, really like them. I mean, the, the majority of the big accounts on LinkedIn are all running a lot of text ads. And the reason why is because they don't get clicked on a whole lot. We obviously perceive them as ads. So they only get clicked on like one fourteenth the, the time as, as sponsored content. But uh, the text or sorry, the clicks are all coming from someone at a desktop computer. So, you know, they have full access to a, a keyboard so you can ask them to fill out more fields in a form. And you also don't necessarily have to offer content with these. They can be like, Hey, here's our software, get a demo kind of ads. And those can actually even perform. So I like text ads. They're also the cheapest ones. Okay. So a combination of the text ads and sponsored content might be a really good place to start. But for companies that are wanting to get directly into your inbox, um, that's where sponsored in-mail comes in, comes into play. And I also know, I don't, I don't know a lot, but I know that those are expensive. So when would, when would I want to spend the extra, the additional money to get something directly into somebody's messaging or inbox? Right. So sponsored in-mail is the one ad format that's not like the others. The others, you only pay when someone clicks, when they take action. But with sponsored in-mail, you pay, it's usually between 35 to 65 cents to send it to someone with no guarantee that they'll see that they got it or open it or click on it. So you paid less, but now there are quite a few steps in between you and actually getting a conversion. And so because of just the averages, the way it works, you pay 35 to 65 cents to send it half uh, of the people will open it and then only about a 3% on average will click on it. So you do that math and it comes out to like a 23 to $50 cost per click. So automatically that's pretty expensive, but where we've found these to work super well is if your offer feels like a personal invitation, it's like, if you got this in an email, you would be excited about the opportunity. That is the perfect kind of offer to use in sponsored email. Um, something like, you know, because of who you are, we want to uh, offer you an early access or sneak peek or VIP treatment somewhere or uh, free attendance at, at an event, something like that. Uh, all of those work really well because you'd be excited to receive those. But if it would come across, if you got something from someone uh, that you didn't know as spam email, like here's a white paper, here's our normal webinar, you know, that kind of thing, um, chances are it'll be a really expensive conversion. Mm. Yeah, I'm opening anything that says, hey, free VIP treatment for you. That's right. <laughs> Me too. As we get ready for the campaign in your course, which is just called Advertising on LinkedIn that you can access through LinkedIn Learning, one of the things that you say, is that to get ready for a new campaign, you need ammo, A-M-O, yes. so audience, message, and offer. And we've talked a little bit about audience, but let's, let's dive in a little bit deeper. When we talk about targeting audience, what is the targeting capability of LinkedIn? Like how deep can you go using LinkedIn? Yeah, there are about 23 different targeting facets that LinkedIn gives us. And I'll, I'll name off a few of them. You can target by job title, department, skills on someone's profile, groups that they're members of, seniority, company size, company industry, even company name for you account-based marketers who want to target just only very specific companies um, and interests. And you know, the, the list goes on and on, uh, gender, age, location. So 
as you're thinking about who is my persona, who is this person that I want to target, chances are you can usually find three to four different ways of using LinkedIn's targeting to reach exactly the right person. And if you can reach them three or four different ways, that means you could separate them into three or four separate campaigns and compare the performance. And over time, get to the point where you know, ooh, here is the least expensive way of reaching my dream prospect. So I want to touch on that a minute. Is it, is it better then to... If I'm going to do an ad, is it better to go after a group of titles who might be in the same function, or do you think it's better to separate that group out by title and have, you know, so say you've got four different titles, would it be better to have one campaign for all the titles or would it be better to have four separate campaigns for each title? Ooh, great question. I like to group campaigns around very similar types of people. So if you had a a whole group of here are um, digital marketing specialists, online marketing specialists, digital marketing analysts, I mean, these kinds of titles, I would put them all kind of in the same bucket. Um, But if you had titles that were like uh, marketing manager, marketing director, digital marketing you know, VP, CMO, and you had all of those, I would split them up by their level of seniority because you know that someone who is manager level is probably going to respond very differently than, than a CMO to different types of content. And so keeping them separate allows you to customize the message to each or even show them the same message and just gauge like what level of seniority each of your content are Uh, really speaking to. Interesting. Yeah. I think now that I'm thinking about the campaign I just ran, that's probably where I made my mistake (laughs) is I, I grouped, I grouped too many, I grouped too many people together and I probably should have split them out to get a, to get a better feel for what they were each individually interested in. Well, and certainly I wouldn't call that a mistake because your targeting is good. You know, if those job titles are who you want to go after, you know, the targeting is good. And if you put together a good offer, good ads, then like you didn't do anything wrong. But what I would say is if you have all of these different titles in a single campaign Mm -hmm. and, and then you launch if that goes really well, or if it goes really poorly, it doesn't matter. You just don't have a lever to know how do I improve. But if you broke them into separate groups, when one performs well and the other one doesn't, then you can say, ooh, what's the difference here? Ah, the one that performs better, maybe that's more my audience, or maybe that targeting is better. Cool. So speaking of targeting and more my audience, I know LinkedIn offers you the ability to upload a list and then it will do something that it, if I believe it's called a matched audience. So, which I think is really cool. So for any, any, you know, anybody who's capturing email addresses, that's an asset to your company that you can now upload into LinkedIn and, and LinkedIn will use it to create a matched audience, correct? That's right. Yeah. You can upload a list of email addresses to, uh, to either create a lookalike of or just target explicitly. You could even exclude those uh, as well. So lots of cool stuff you can do with your targeting. Um, Also, as part of matched audiences, you could upload company names. You can upload up to 300,000 company Mm. names and do the same thing, either include or exclude or create a lookalike audience off of. So very powerful. If you have already a good idea of who your ideal kind of customer is, uh, here's some awesome ninja things you can do with it. Yeah, I'm looking at, so I'm looking at the, uh, I, I just pulled up an ad on the computer screen here and I'm looking at job titles and you can even search by like degrees that people have. Oh yeah, lots of MBA programs are doing the thing where they target, if you have a bachelor's degree, but you don't yet have a master's or a PhD level, like we want to show you ads to come to our MBA program. And it, Works really well. Wow, very interesting. You did know you did mention, and there's a couple of um, ways to target that I thought was was um, intriguing. One was groups. 
why, why would I want to target an audience by the group that they're in? Well, the cool part is right now on LinkedIn, you really have to go out of your way to go and join a group. And so if I, you know, let's say my title is just president and that's all LinkedIn knows me as, um, but I'm the president of an agency who is really insanely interested in social media advertising. And so if I go and join a group about social media advertising, uh, that's me raising my hand and saying, I know you couldn't reach me by my title, but this subject is really near and dear to my heart. And so if you show me an ad based off of you know something about social media advertising, you hit exactly the right person. And because I joined a group about it, I'm going to tend to be a little bit more uh, active of a user. Mm, okay. And then another thing is interest targeting. How does LinkedIn figure out interest? Uh, yeah. Interest is a little bit of a black box. Um, we know LinkedIn pays attention to what we interact with in the user feed. So I, I don't know what the numbers look like, but maybe it's like if I hit like on you know nine or more posts about artificial intelligence, then LinkedIn goes, ah, he likes artificial intelligence. Let's put him in that category. Uh, so I think that's one, like your interaction with, with things in the feed, liking, commenting, sharing. Um, but also if they have data about your Bing search history, they'll link that to you too because Microsoft owns LinkedIn and they're sharing data. So if you happen to be a Bing searcher, they can say, ooh, AJ searches a lot about LinkedIn ads. Let's tag him as someone interested in LinkedIn ads. So for the 12 people that are listening that use Bing, (laughs) (laughs) know that LinkedIn knows what you're interested in. (laughs) It's true. And we know it's a a small data sample size, uh, but, you know, they are using it. and, And obviously, if you search for something, that's a much stronger signal than what you like or comment on in the user feed. So I, I hope more people do use Bing so we get better categorization. Yeah, I find it. I mean, to me, the whole thing is like, if you just step back and you really look at everything and all the data that either exists about us right now or will within the next three years, the companies that can pull all that information together can, I mean, they're going to be able to paint a scary, accurate picture and profile of you. And what really freaks me out is that like, you're, they're going to know what you want before you even think you want it. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. And I feel like even in like the tinfoil hat world of like this data that people know about us is getting scary, at least LinkedIn, it will always be about our professional lives and it doesn't get too personal. And so I, I feel like LinkedIn will always be safe from that creepiness factor because we, we trust it and it's only addressing our professional lives, yeah. not necessarily like what brand of shirt we wear and where do we right. sleep. <laughs> right, right. Right, right. Well, another thing too that I think is interesting is groups and interest targeting kind of almost seem to me similar to intent for SEO. So like, you know, if I type, I, you know, uh, go back dress shirt size medium, obviously I intend to go buy that or potentially buy that. But if I, if I, if LinkedIn looks at my groups and my interests, they're going to, I mean, they're going to be able to pull together a pretty good, I think, intent ish. <laughs> thing that says, Hey, this person might like this type of ad. Yeah. And it's not intent. Like what is, what is Ryan looking to buy right now? But it, it's like, what are your interests? What do you, what are you inclined towards? And that makes it really powerful for, for like more business to business type solutions that are bigger purchases and, you know, higher consideration types of items. 
cool. So we can do some pretty awesome targeting within LinkedIn that we can't really do in any of the other social platforms, which is the first part of the AMO formula, the AMO. The second piece is messaging. So how, and, and messaging is actually near and dear to my heart since that's what I do for a living. How important is it to make sure you get that message right on your ad? You know, what's really funny here is of uh, audience message and offer of the whole AMO acronym, messaging is the least important um, simply because, and not to like, uh, not to kind of crap on your craft here, but yeah, yeah. I need to go get a new job. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) But if you have a really good offer, it almost doesn't matter like how you sell it. Uh, People are going to look past it and, and be interested. So you know, you could really screw up uh, the ad copy, not have a, a great call to action, whatever, on an amazing offer, and people would still find a way to click and convert at a higher than normal rate. But what we do find with that message is if you tell them immediately, here's why you should pay attention, and then you tell them your call to action, like I want you to download this guide or you know join this webinar, and then you have an image that stands out from LinkedIn's blues, grays, and whites, uh, the combination of those things you know, the vast majority of the time, we will outperform LinkedIn's average by two to three times in click-through rate. So if you can get the messaging portion right, you can get your cost per click down a lot further than your competition. How many, you don't get a lot of characters for your message either, correct? Uh, yeah, LinkedIn will give you about 150 characters in your description, like that, what they call the intro, before it truncates and you have to click see more. Okay. You're almost better off than finding a, uh, an image that's really relevant and that, you know, kind of raises curiosity, if you will. Totally. Yeah, we've had some great image tests where, I mean, something like uh, even just a boring chart, but it's so zoomed in that people have to kind of lean in and they, they want to see what like what the other information is in that chart. Something like that will get double, tw- triple, quadruple the normal click-through rate. So, yeah, f- be thoughtful about what imagery you choose, not just a stock photo. Very interesting. So, w- messaging is is not as important as... <laughs> As the offer. Okay, I'll give you that. I I give you that. Um, So what does make a good offer? So your offer has to be something that provides value before you ask for something. Um, What we find is, you know, if you can solve someone's major pain point or satisfy their curiosity, uh, then they'll be willing to give you their email address in exchange for that content. So start with, you know, what are the pain points of of my users? And, um, can I create content that is like a, you know, a, a, a one page checklist or a cheat sheet or a five page guide or a 40 page ebook or a 60 minute webinar? I mean, whatever the format of answering someone's question or, or solving their pain point takes is great. Uh, just so long as you do solve that pain point. And like we talked about before, if you have a really good offer, it's not hard to distill that down into 150 characters of text and get a really high click through rate. One of the things that I've noticed recently is like, so it used to be you click on an ad or something in sponsored content. And most of the time it takes you to a outside of LinkedIn to a landing page. But I've noticed recently LinkedIn has implemented a thing called lead gen formats so that when you click it, you, it actually like pops up right there that that's relatively new, right? It is. And they're really cool. Probably about half of our clients use these. What they're for is if you, every time you ask a user to do something, you'll have fallout from that, that ask. And 
you'll have some kind of conversion rate there. So the less that you ask of a user, the more people that you'll get to actually fill out the form or, or convert. So what LinkedIn figured out is similar to what Facebook's had for quite a while uh, with what they call lead ads. Um, you can, like, when someone interacts with an ad, you can pop a drawer down at, with a form in it, and you could have someone convert right within the ad without even leaving the LinkedIn experience. And when you do that, you can usually get 10 to 50% more conversions for uh, for the same price. I mean, it's, it's literally a 10 to a 50% a higher conversion rate on your ads. Um, I wouldn't say it's as high a quality of lead because they, they didn't have to do as much to convert. Um, if, you, if what you really need is volume over that quality, it's a great way to go. And that all comes back to your offer, which, which you were talking about earlier. What is like, what's, what have you found to be like the best thing that people will convert for on LinkedIn? Like read my blog post, download my white paper. Here's an ebook, just sign up for a webinar. Is there, is there one of those things that you find performs a little bit better on LinkedIn than say some of the other platforms? Not really, but with, with like one small uh, uh, kind of aberration here in the data. Um, what we find, uh, we had a client, actually several, who started with a report and it was a really valuable report. And they said, okay, we're going to format this as a one-page checklist, as a 20-page uh, ebook, and do a 60-minute webinar on it. And let's A-B test all three of these offers. Same kind of messaging, um, really the same content. This is just three different ways of consuming the data. And what we found is they all had nearly an identical conversion rate. Hmm. So what that told us is the format really doesn't make all that big of a difference. Uh, what it really is, is what's your promise of the problem you're going to solve? And, you know, people want the promise. That being said, um, webinars are a little bit of a, an interesting animal. We have a lot of clients who use them. They're, they're still a really good offer. But what we know from webinars is, you know, you'll ask someone to sign up. There's a little bit of initial friction because they know it's, you know, 60 minutes in the middle of their busy day and they've got to plan that out on their schedule. Um, but uh, because they stuck around for 60 minutes to, to hear your thought leadership, they're, they may have a lower conversion rate at the front end, but they'll have a higher close rate because now they know, like, and trust you. Um, plus, we've also found that even though only about 50% of people will show up to your, your webinar on average, uh, all of those other 50 people, 50% 50 of people who didn't attend, they still raised their hand and said, this is an important topic for me. And you can still follow up with whatever your, your you know, offer is. Is it, is it better to advertise webinars in advance or advertise, say, evergreen webinars that you could just click on and boom, start watching it? So I definitely think advertise a live webinar is, is much better. Um, the further ahead you go, the better. Um, what we found is if we start advertising a month in advance for a webinar, we'll have a chunk like three, four weeks out who are the people who need to get it on their calendar. Otherwise, there won't be space. Um, you'll have a lull for about two weeks. And then that last week, the week of, tons and tons of interest. So yeah, try to, to push people there. You know that if you're doing a live webinar and if someone misses it, that they're going to miss the content, you know, that's a pretty significant prodding. Like uh, the, the FOMO is getting stroked really hard. Whereas if it's evergreen, they go, Oh, this, this looks interesting, but I can watch this anytime. I'll, I'll do this over the weekend. And then they forget about you. Yeah. Right. They never go back. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, I could talk to you about LinkedIn ads for probably two or three more hours, but I know you don't have that kind of time to do, and I don't have that kind of time. So what I do want to talk about as we start to close up here is tell me about B2Linked. You know, what is it that you do when you help your customers? I, you're managing a lot of dollar spend. So obviously you're helping them run ads, but you know, t- talk to me about um, your company. Yeah, well, we really help with, uh, basically, we ask the client to bring us uh, whatever that offer is, give us that landing page and that content. And then we try to take absolutely everything else off your plate. That means we're writing the ad copy, we're designing the A-B tests, we're managing every day to to budget and performance, and we're basically being an advertising agency for you, reporting back and and playing the support role. Um, So yeah, basically, if LinkedIn ads are... uh, are a major channel for you, then we want to be there to help. Whether it's, you know, me training your team on how to handle it internally or us managing the account for you, we're super happy to do that and very, very low pressure. If you uh, reach out to us, um, you'll just land right in my inbox and I'm not a sales guy. So I will uh, (laughs) answer any question you have. And if it works, if it works out and we want to work together, that's great. But otherwise, uh, I'm, I'm just a fountain of knowledge and happy to share. <laughs> yeah. And one of the ways that you do it that's different um, is that you also actually have uh, consulting services that you offer. So one-on-one time that you, if I re- remember right, you can schedule time, not, maybe not directly, but send you an email and then schedule time for consulting. So if somebody has an ad they, that they want you to review or take a look at, you're, you're willing to do that as well, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I know we make a lot more money if we manage someone's account for them, but I'm a huge self-starter and I'm a huge fan of, of building internal competencies. So if I can teach someone or coach them, uh, consult along the way, and you know, we make less money, I still feel more fulfilled. Cool. Awesome. All right, AJ, what are some of the best ways for people who want to get in touch with you or learn more about B2 LinkedIn or just want to have, you know, have you review their last campaign um, from a consulting perspective? What are some of the best ways for those folks to get in touch with you? Well, two things for you here. If you want to take a stab at running LinkedIn ads yourself, we've got a checklist that we give out for free. It's the same checklist that we use when we onboard new customers. It's the eight things you need in order to get started advertising. So if you go to b2linked slash checklist, um, you can download that same the same checklist. And if you don't click the box that says, I want someone to reach out to me, you'll never hear from us ever again. Uh, so that's just pure value for you. And my dirty little secret is if you fill out the form anywhere on the website, b2linked.com, uh, you won't go to a sales rep and you won't be put into our newsletter flow or anything like that. It goes just to my inbox. And like I said, I don't sell. Awesome. Cool. I'll make sure that link gets put into the show notes. AJ, any final thoughts, tips, words of wisdom you'd like to leave with anybody who's listening today who, who, who may be thinking about doing LinkedIn ads or who might want to uh, join your course that's on LinkedIn? I would say just be thinking about who your ideal audience is and what it would mean to get in front of and have your ads shown and your brand uh, top of mind for exactly the right prospects. You know, none of that you know, poor lead quality, having to sift through. These are the ideal prospects, maybe even from the exact companies you're going after. Uh, if you're a, a sales guy or a marketer, chances are you're, you're already salivating over that potential. Awesome. AJ, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. I, I personally have learned a lot. I'm going to actually go take a look at a few things and expect to see an email from me for uh, consulting because I really need to see how my last, how I could have improved my last ad. <laughs> awesome, Ryan. Well, I'm super excited to be here and have me back for a round two any day. There are so many things that I loved about this conversation, but two things in particular really stood out for me. The first is AJ's career path. 
So many of us, myself included, are inclined to seek out the same or similar employment after getting let go from a job. It's only natural. I know it was for me, but in my case, and as it turns out, in AJ's case as well, there was also something else, something greater, that told me not to jump too fast, to slow down, and really look at my options. Like AJ, I had dabbled in areas outside of my job and career before my let-go day, and I knew that an alternative path was possible. But I also knew nothing was clear, and nothing for sure was certain. The second thing I loved about this conversation, besides the great advice that AJ provided about LinkedIn ads, is his passion and his expertise. I could almost feel it through the microphone. I have no doubt that a key reason his business is doing so well is that AJ knows that when you are generous as a person and as a brand, somehow the universe finds a way to pay you back. AJ, thank you for sharing your story with us today and for sharing your knowledge of LinkedIn advertising. Because of your tips, I think LinkedIn ads just became a little bit more accessible for the rest of us. Thank you for tuning in today. If you're looking to start to build your brand so you can either advance in your career or make a smooth move to your next venture, pick up a copy of my book, Career Cred, and get started working on building your brand today. That'll do it for this episode. Until next time, I've been Ryan, and I'm out. Today's show is edited and produced by Ryan Rowe. Today's music is called Hudson Hawk by Neon Beach. Licenses for today's show were purchased via soundstripe.com.